0: Thine is the kingdom and the power and
1: the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. I'm Tim. I'm Marshall. All right. How have you been in the last five minutes? Good. Yeah.
2: Good. We're chatting with intern Ryan. Intern Ryan. Intern Ryan. Because we kicked him out of his, his Ryan office. Ryan was the
1: name of the intern on in the office. Whoa.
2: We have to leverage this as Whoa. much as we possibly can. Okay. Okay. Does
1: that mean that we have to start calling Sam? What? Oh, no, she wasn't an intern. She just dated Ryan.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, that's why I see those two. Okay. Okay. We'll have, right. we'll have
2: to figure out how we can, how we can milk this. Right. I, wow. Yeah, no, we kicked him out of his office to record podcasts today. So he's set up in the library. Mm-hmm. He's got like his stuff all sprawled all over it's the place. It's impressive. It actually is.
1: Yeah, so. it's it's also hilarious as his travel setup. <laughs> right. He told me that that's what he used at school, too. He used it at the school library. So he would go to, he has no idea this is going, we'll have to get his permission before we publish this. No, 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 he, no. That he would show up at Heritage and he'd have like his laptop and his books and a second monitor and all these other things and he just like set up desk <laughs> at school.
2: Yeah, yeah, in the back corner of the library. Mm-hmm. What a champ. What a champ. Love you, Ryan. I don't know if you're li- listen to the, I don't even know if he listens to the podcast. He will listen should, to this one cuz we're telling me We should, tell him we should make him listen to it as an intern. Be like, this is good for your development. <laughs> it's going to investing in your future. <laughs> make me a coffee and listen
1: to the podcast. <laughs> just so everyone knows. I'd never treat an intern like that. No, he
2: doesn't make us coffee. I
1: make coffee for everyone. Yeah. No, you I'm do I'm making a coffee. You or do. we drink the old stuff out of the
2: That's what we most left over stuff. I had one of those today.
1: Because no one in this office drinks coffee except for you, me, and now Sam.
2: Yeah, Sam drinks coffee. But he's only here temporarily, so it's a-
1: I'm shocked at how few people drink coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so good. It's, it's beautiful and desirable. It's beautiful and desirable. And you know even, what, like, when
2: it's, even when it's three days old and microwaved. I don't, I don't get bent <laughs> out of shape when
1: people don't like coffee. Find whatever. I didn't like it for a while. Sure. And, yeah, and then I, like, I turned 18. Yeah, uh, which is funny because Ryan Rutledge always says, I'm not old enough to drink coffee. Right? Yeah. That, <laughs> that's still his response. I love it. Um, but, but when I hear that people don't like chocolate... I have this sort of this distrust for them all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't know. I, I don't know if it's that I'm suspicious of them or that I just mm-hmm. don't trust their judgment anymore. Yeah. Um, maybe but, they watch. But that's a weird one for me when people don't like chocolate.
2: Maybe they watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory too young and we're like scarred by it. So I they don't got know. like chocolate PTSD and that's the aversion. I don't
1: know. But I've met a couple of people in my life who just don't like chocolate. Weirdos. Yeah. It's strange. <laughs> I would call them weirdos because still have to be their pastor but um it is it their is, pastor is a weirdo it's so like deal with it <laughs> it is interesting whatever alright so oh. in this in this episode talking about beauty and desirability within creation mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the beauty of a creator mm. beauty within the concept of a creator okay you're looking at me funny like that's not what you prepped for I did beauty and creation. Oh, beauty and creation. Okay, yeah, beauty and creator is next one.
2: Yes, kind yep. of.
1: Uh, oh no, no, no! I have them. Sorry, I have them listed together. Okay. Yeah, um, I have a side note that says beauty and creator alongside it. It's Okay, my bad. They're related. It's okay, obviously, no. like
2: we're gonna talk about I the love creator. The, I and love the, the creation. way you were gonna
1: you're gonna roll with it. You're like,
2: I was like. like all oh, right, let's wing it. Let's go. I guess let's wing it. You can't talk
1: about, <laughs> but you can't talk about creation without talking about creator. Exactly. And that's where my notes got me messed yeah, up. We're good. We're good. Uh, good. All right. <laughs> so, so the idea being, mm. time and change, like the rough idea, the take home from all of this. We'll just give the conclusion at the at the very beginning. Nice. Just because people are busy.
2: Yeah, you can just shut this off after like three minutes, and then right. boom, go back. I mean, to the I day. would. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you don't even listen to these i don't listen to i these. listen to them i was here the first time
2: <laughs> <laughs> i listened to about half of them halfway through just to make sure that you know things are sounding the way they should and i don't know
1: yeah yeah i i find when when we do listen to them it's usually like as a family driving somewhere mm. that's the only time that like Lindsay really has time to sit down and actually hear a podcast mm-hmm. um and I, I feel really judged when I laugh at our jokes. Like, <laughs> like a my time family around. always points it out. They're like, are you laughing at your own jokes? And I'm like, well, yes, because it's unquestionably and universally pleasing it's and beautiful. A, it's objectively funny. It is. <laughs> and so whether I'm the creator or not, I can still appreciate the creation.
2: That's good. That's good.
1: It is. It. I love it. All right. So... Creation mm-hmm. versus time, chance. Mm-hmm. Random processes and chemical bonds. Mm. Right? Is there beauty to be seen in the concept of creation? Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Because we've already we've already talked about how how we think that like the order, the fine-tuning, the harmony of the natural order speaks to a creator. Right? We've spent time talking about that. But there's more to nature than just those kind of more analytical things, right? And I think there's an importance and an opportunity to use nature in our apologetics, mm-hmm. right? Because I think there's, there's an aesthetic beauty to nature. And that aesthetic beauty also points to God, not just the order, not just the fine-tuning, not just the, the way that things work together, but the way that it appears, the way that it's perceived, the way mm-hmm. that it is received, um, I think also speak to to something beautiful making something beautiful.
1: Yeah, and, and this is where I want to inject uh, this article that was recommended to me through the algorithm. Mm. Uh and and I don't know exactly where to place it. It, it could have been placed in the previous episode. I, I think it works maybe better here. Mm. Um, but there was there was an article put out last week uh, that says, uh, Christoph Kosh mm. and David Chalmers. one is a uh, a philosopher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the other is a neuroscience who works on, Uh, specifically on the functions of the brain. 25 years ago, they had a conversation about consciousness, Mm. right? Consciousness being all of the things that we taste, hear, feel, and more. Just the way that we receive the world and respond to the world. Okay. What is consciousness, Mm. and where does it come from? Chalmers, being the philosopher, said this is a philosophical mystery that will never be solved. Kosh being the scientist, the neuroscientist, said we will, within the next quarter of a century, be able to identify where and how consciousness is produced by the brain. Mm. Right? It is, just like everything else, it is a process. Consciousness is a process and a chemical reaction. And we'll be able to identify that soon enough. Uh, Last week... Conch had to deliver on stage in front of a group of peers uh, where there was a consciousness conference being held and everyone reading their journal entries and things like that, as uh, academia does, Deliver to him uh, a case of fine wine in order to say, we made this wager 25 years ago and the time has come. And there is still no answer. right? Science has not, not yet at least, Mm -hmm. answered the question, you win. Mm -hmm. Right? Which I find fascinating. Uh, One, it's really interesting that science would acknowledge consciousness Mm. as a thing. It's Mm -hmm. interesting that a secular philosopher would say, there has to be something other than chemical process. Mm -hmm. And it's going it's going to always be mysterious, mm. right? Uh, versus one who would be just completely naturalistic. And, and in the same way we were making a lot of jokes about last episode, about uh, just because you can identify what's taking place, the, the process that's taking place, doesn't mean that you've negated the thing, the greater thing that's taking place. Uh, believing that consciousness itself could be addressed... By just saying, oh, this portion of the brain produces this chemical and that causes, mm-hmm. right, whatever. But even more that life is separated from consciousness in the mind of the naturalist. And here we have these secular guys who are meeting at consciousness conferences. And they've been working on this thing for more than a quarter of a century because they were working on it before they made the wager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still acknowledging that no one is anywhere closer Unless, unless we were to introduce the variable of a creator. Right. <laughs> who made us in his image.
2: Right. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Well, here's the thing, right? So, a naturalistic universe is really, and C.S. Lewis gets into, this, I know I keep bringing him up, and... It,
1: it, just so everyone knows... You just finished or are finishing a C.S. Lewis course. Yeah. So, and so in, you've been reading Lewis. In the
2: space of two months, I had to read like 10 of his books. Right. Like, so this is why it's, it's just, it's just, it's low hanging fruit for me. At and this
1: apologetics point. is a huge portion of his huge ministry. Por- yeah. So
2: now, just, you know, I've been quoting him so much. Don't, I do not give a blanket endorsement for C.S. Lewis. I actually wrote a paper on an aspect of his thinking that I significantly disagree with and think mm-hmm. is dangerous, but. Man, he gets it right sometimes. Yep. And so he he was as ta- is true for all of us. Yes. Oh, yes. Amen. Yep. Yeah. No, that's true. So, anyways, um, with taking a little nibble of humble pie for all of us here, um, C.S. Lewis talks about a naturalistic universe where you know material things are the only thing. If that is all that there is, then the entire universe is could be compared to a giant machine that is all working. The way that it is and cannot cannot work any other way than than what it does. And he, he actually says if you're if you're a naturalist, if you're a materialist, then you also have to be a, a determinist. Meaning everything that happens has to have happened the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Right? So you know So he
1: he would remove chance. From it's, the the naturalistic chances, formula.
2: chances only uh, are from our perception. But like everything, mm-hmm. ha- like would have happened a, a particular way, right? So, so from the beginning, okay, the end is decided, really, because it could only have happened that way,
1: right? So even the the way that people feel and you th- know, he, he would hold, say, hold on, we know he wrote Narnia, right? The series, right? Did he also write the Matrix? <laughs> because this is very matrix
2: right yeah it is a little matrix right so his no but his his statement essentially is that like in in a world that doesn't allow for the supernatural everything must happen the way that it happens and anyone's opinions even on that are totally predetermined like it is determinism fatalism to the nth degree Mm -hmm. right but what he, what he talks about is like, but that doesn't account for our ability to reason. And this is connected with the beauty thing, and this is how, is to really appreciate the beauty of something, you have to almost exist outside of it. Mm-hmm. Right? So in order to appreciate the beauty of the created order or of the universe, there has to be an element in the observer that exists and operates outside of that realm, mm-hmm. and so that's what what Lewis would point to as kind of the the spiritual slash rational side of human beings. That's what separates us from the animals. The animals interact with the world, right? They might be attracted to things and and avert, you know, have aversion towards others. But to be able to say this thing is good, this thing is true, this thing is beautiful, this thing is whatever, um, there there requires an element of us being outside of it to look at it and say. That's beautiful, and that is why I believe they will never find a purely material process to explain consciousness, because consciousness in and of itself is something that does not exist in a natural order. It is separate. There's a great book that I think I've mentioned in in past episodes, written by a neuroscientist, a Christian neuroscientist, called Are We Just Our Brains? Mm -hmm. And the conclusion is that is... No, we're not just our brains. There's a part of us that's consciousness that cannot be explained by the way that our brain operates. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and I think I think it's imp- when we when we talk about things that we see as beautiful and desirable, mm. there's a part of us that wants for that to be a creation tied to a creator. Right. So let's let's take this from the perspective of the arts. Right? Um we we all have our favorite, you know, kinds of arts, right? Like so for instance, mm-hmm. dance just isn't a thing for me. Don't want to do it. Yeah. Don't care to watch it, right? Like
2: I do it at weddings. That's it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't um because I am sixteen eighty nine true on Baptist. <laughs> Uh, That's not true.
2: That's more like faith and message Baptist, to be honest. Let's be real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is only funny because it is so true.
2: (laughs) And only a small percentage of our listeners are going to get that, but that's okay.
1: (laughs) You win. Uh, My brother is just telling me that he... Uh, has started working out while he listens to these. I hope he doesn't hurt himself. I hope he drops weight, <laughs> whatever. He just <laughs> drops. Take care of yourself, bud. <sighs> oh, I I'll see him next week. I can warn him. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that was great. Uh, anyway, was to say, oh, the the creation longs for cre- for a creator. I, I think we want for there to be this, uh, not just a reception of what's there. Mm but a relationship with the thing there and the person, right. the creator itself. Right, right. And when we, when we look at that on a, on a small level, I, I would say this. There are a number of experiments that have taken place over a very long period of time, mostly after the advent of modern art, mm-hmm. where people would take, like, give a paintbrush to a monkey and then ask people what they think, and they're like, oh, yeah, I mean... I like it just as much as this thing painted by a human kind of a thing, right? <laughs> uh, our, our new world version of that is AI. Right, yeah. And uh, is it true that AI can produce art to the same quality or technically greater than human processes, mm. whether it be visual art or a song? Right can AI write a song that I would like? Mm-hmm. I would say sure let's say someone manipulated uh an, an AI algorithm and said play me or, or write for me a song music included in the style of whomever it would be um and and play it back and you listen to it and you'd be like, that's actually catchy I like it um. I'm not going to be interested in that song in the same way. Mm. I'm not going to be interested in that song in the same way, knowing that it's AI generated, Mm -hmm. right? If I didn't know in a blind test, admittedly in a blind test, I I would say, sure, I like it, and I hope they come out with more songs, whatever, Mm -hmm. right? But knowing that the song is without a creator, that it's just the sort of product of binary formula... It lacks that relationship, and even if even if auditorially they have, you know, mistakes and waivers and whatever sort of things going on that would make it feel more human, mm-hmm. knowing that it's not matters to me. Yeah,
2: see, for me, this whole thing with AI, right? Like, so in in I think artificial intelligence AI is a bit of a misnomer, and here's what I mean by this: is that I guess it's not a misnomer, but I think we fail to understand what it really is. Because should that artificial artificial intelligence uh, create a piece of art, music, uh, whatever, an image, a poem, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, that is still only possible because of the creativity and ingenuity and intelligence of a human being who made that program. Right. right? So so it's like it's like. It's not look at this look what look what randomness can create. It's like no human beings made a thing that can make things. That's cool. Right. But it's still at its source, right? And that's why that's why even like I mean we give glory to God when when a human painter paints a picture because you're like God made that person with the ability to do that. Even with AI it's like God gave a computer program a computer programmer, the ability to make a program that can make that right. So ultimately, mm. to, for me, it's still all the source. It all comes back to the source of the creator.
1: Yeah, but I, where I, where I would say the difference is uh, is that the the way that AI works in that it essentially is just like an, the greatest ever Google search, right? Which then knows what to do with that information. Mm-hmm to reshuffle and put it together mm-hmm. into a new form mm-hmm. that didn't previously exist rather than just giving you uh, what was already out there in a sort of like library kind of a pattern. Sure. Right? So it, it is producing something new. Mm-hmm. My point is I don't just want the product. I want the producer.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And that's always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I, I, think, I think when we... Hear people talk about. I, I don't. I don't know how many people actually are sort of in this space, uh, but when I hear people talk about art produced by AI, and and you hear all the reservations, a lot of the reservations aren't about fear. Mm-hmm. A lot of the reservations are, are sadness. Hmm. I just I don't want to come to a place where we're not hearing humans talk about human experiences, right, 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 where we're hearing robots reproducing tropes of human experiences and and i'm not I'm not learning about you hmm. and your life even even if it's fictitious, even if you didn't lose the love of your life and write the song based on that that you would imagine that on and there's a piece of a person there's just relationship mm. mm-hmm. inside of that creation mm-hmm. that is the drawing force
2: right yeah, for sure right and, and I, I would that. say
1: I would say that's why um I like. I would listen to, I, I used to say this in the early 2000s, it is a saying that is definitely aged mm. and not well, um, but that's why I would rather listen to Bob Dylan than the Backstreet Boys. Mm. You can see why the analogy doesn't
2: definitely quite dated. hit like it used to. Definitely dated. but uh
1: The purpose is you get these guys that are selected for their aesthetic beauty and their capacity to sing flawlessly mm. and they're going to go up there in front of these thousands of screaming tweens and, and talk about, uh, she broke up with me and I'm so sad. Mm. I don't believe you. Right. It, it doesn't have that human element. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tug at my heart. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan goes up there. It's not a great voice. Mm-hmm. He sings the same heartbreak and you're just like, man, I feel that. Mm. There's something there's something in my consciousness, mm. my soul, my experience that receives that, and it's not just about hitting the right notes in the right place. In fact, I would say some of the most boring singers on the various singing competitions that we would do are the people who are just technically perfect.
2: Right, right, yeah. No, I get that. No, for sure. Yeah, no, that... Is a really interesting insight as far as like the origins and who is making it and how that impacts our our reception of of that thing and how we view it as beautiful. Um, I think ultimately human beings, despite our own ability to be creative and now this kind of newfound um, artificial way of creating art to some degree, I think we're still enamored with god's creation with the natural order right we're still kind of obsessed about it i noticed there was a new okay so funny netflix story so i haven't paid for netflix in years um my brother did just wait just listen i am i confessing this whatever Mm -hmm. i don't care my brother my brother had an account i was on his account and then i get this message saying you're not allowed to do this anymore so i was like oh guess i don't have netflix anymore that's fine i opened it up the other day it's still working. So anyways, there's a brand new nature documentary and I'm going to watch it
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, because I just love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And even though the whole time I already know the narrator is going to be like, millions and billions of years ago through the natural, you know, I, and I'm like, I just roll my eyes at it. I'm st- I still want to see it. Mm-hmm. I still want to see whatever it is, whatever beautiful images they've captured in places that I'm never going to be able to go. I want to be able to enjoy that that media, right? It is, it's, you know, these, these things like planet earth and these other, these other great documentaries that capture the beauty of the created order are things that, you know, they capture our attention. Um, and people, people are obsessed about it, right? Like, you know, just even like, I don't know, like you go places that are physically beautiful, right? Like I mentioned last, um, last episode, like going to like Banff, like Lake Louise and and that the Rockies, right? It's like, Man, people travel from all over the world just to witness these places in person. And like why? Like what, what what is it about that that would cause someone to fork out thousands of dollars of their hard-earned money to get on a plane, burn all that fuel, get get to wherever you're going, jump through all the hoops of traveling and all that just to see something beautiful, just to be yeah. there, right?
1: And I, I think, too, uh, one of the things that's always stuck out to me is those people that we call the most creative, who develop entire new worlds, mm. new creatures, mm-hmm. all of these kinds of things for fantasy and sci-fi and all that kind of stuff, all those creatures are profoundly related to things that exist in nature.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. They're, yeah, yeah.
1: They're they're not really new creations as much as their manipulations, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but the sensory organs are all still very similar or at least altered in, in a way that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that, I think, might harken back to you have to, like, it, if you went too far out of the box, then you'd have to spend, like, an entire chapter explaining to your right. audience exactly <laughs> what's going on with this particular creature, and then yep. that's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think I think no, I think it's a, a nod to the fact that nature is itself incredible, mm-hmm. yeah. and and more of that, which is what these things become mm-hmm. when they're just slight alterations. Mm. More of that is also really fascinating, How? and and a lot of it is being like a kind of thing that could exist, mm. um, and and that's fascinating. And mm-hmm. so, in in a lot of ways, it's not creating an entirely new thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, imagining on top of what already is because mm-hmm. nature itself, like you said, mm-hmm. is awe inspiring.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, have I ever told you my Grand Canyon story?
1: Maybe I wasn't listening. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, okay. I'll tell the, the quick version of this. So, I'll back, listen this time. Back when I, thanks. <laughs> back when I worked in the insurance <laughs> business, um, our agency had kind of won a, a, national award of recognition. And so as a thank you, uh, my boss, Peter uh, took the staff and he would take them on these trips if we met these goals. And so we went to Las Vegas of all places was a Cirque du Soleil show. Uh, it was really cool. Not really a, a gambling man, but, uh, but there's still a lot of cool things to see when you were there and uh, good food and all that stuff. I always love going to the States for the food, but uh, in any case, the one day he rented an SUV and the eight of us pile into this SUV and drive like three or four hours to the Grand Canyon. And we're going from like, it's hot in the desert. This is like February or March. I think it was, or I think it was March because Candace was fairly pregnant at that point. But So it's hot. But by the time we get to the Grand Canyon, it's getting colder and colder and colder. And there's even a little bit of snow. We're like, what is going on? Anyways, we get to the Grand Canyon. And because the weather's so up and down, it's so foggy you can't see five feet off the edge of the cliff. And we drove, and we car- carved out, and poor Peter felt terrible because he carved an entire day of our vacation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So what do we do? We go to the we go to the gift shop. We tour around there. We get a souvenir. We go to like their their kind of like center, and we look at like. You know, some, we get to meet some of the animals that, you know, we normally would have witnessed, you know, in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> then we go watch a video. And the video is like, you know, this like, you know, drone and helicopter footage of the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And we get to see how beautiful the Grand Canyon would have been if there hadn't been so much fog that day. And I will take credit for this because just as we were about to pull out uh, and head back to Las Vegas, I said, you know what, Peter? Everyone was really bummed out, but we didn't want to make them feel bad, so we weren't saying anything. I said, why don't we just... Why don't we just drive up to the edge one more time? Just see, right? Cause it was about a five minute drive kind of from where the center was. So we did. And just as we got there, the fog started to dissipate and it was still overcast, but all of a sudden you could just see it for
1: miles. You cast your net to the other side of the boat. I did. I did. And what a man uh, of faith. I know.
2: Right. Um, and it was beautiful. It was, it was absolutely stunning. And, far beyond what even the very accurate high resolution video representation mm-hmm. of right. it was that we watched in the movie theater just half an hour before and there was just there's just when you're there there's just no pictures no television show nothing nothing can begin to compare with the the weight of beauty that is just seeing it for yourself.
1: Yeah, and, and it's one—it's one that we've probably come become a little bit cold to. But mm. Niagara Falls is the same. Oh yeah. Um, if you've never been to Niagara Falls, especially the Canadian side, uh, one of the things that you have to do is you have to go into all the tacky gift shops mm-hmm. because no one has hope like a gift shop owner at Niagara Falls. <laughs> There are things for sale that have been for sale for decades, ages. Yeah. <laughs> the resolution of the photographs no good, right. The pixelation of the printouts like like you can get like what is essentially and maybe even actually a legal piece of paper with just a photograph, a bad photo of the falls and then laminated. And sold as a placemat for five dollars, and you know that thing's been there since the late eighties,
2: right? Oh yeah, because
1: it's faded and you can barely see it anymore. But it is still there. Who and even
2: uses placemats anymore? I, don't
1: <laughs> I know, but <laughs> one, my, mine and Lindsay's one of our favorite things to do if we're at Niagara Falls is to yeah. go into these gift shops and just walk around and look at these things that you know that have like magnets that have been there so long that there's hardly a picture left. Yeah, and it's just amazing the hope that they have like no no that someone's going to buy it i have actually been guilty of buying it just to be like (laughs) their persistence needs to be paid right they need some reward yeah right this niagara falls fridge magnet is older than i am so i've (laughs) yes yes (laughs) but even though those things are comically bad right right um I I've kind of I'm kind of in this place where I've just stopped taking pictures of like landscapes and sunsets mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what you do. You you see it and you're just like, "Oh my goodness." And then you take a picture of it and you immediately look down at the picture and you go, "Huh?" Eh. Yeah. It I get it's that. Whatever, right? I feel that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be able to show it to someone and then go, oh, right? Look at that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because it's not, it's not the actual thing, mm-hmm. and there's something about being in presence of the actual thing that makes a difference. Yeah, I was listening to CBC Radio and they were talking about, uh, what what I would call a legitimate, very legitimate conversation about, um things that have been stolen over the years and put into museums where other countries are now profiting over stolen things and all that kind of stuff.
2: You ever been to the British Museum? Right. That's literally what it is. Right. It's wild. There's a great comedy... A comedy stand-up routine where the guy, this British guy's like, he's like a couple hundred years ago, a bunch of British people got in a big old boat, and here's the thing: they robbed the whole world. And he's like, he goes on to talk about how they, like, how they, they, they robbed the whole world, and then they have the audacity to, to just not, put not put it hide display. it, but to put it on display <laughs> and to charge people money to come <laughs> and look at their own stuff.
1: <laughs> right, I love it. Sorry, but, sorry, continue, but among, continue. but among the solutions, because I mean, yeah, so. Some people were arguing. Well, these things have been in possession for hundreds of years, right? Yeah, right? It has, yeah. Uh, and and or uh, there is a bit of education about those other times and places that takes place here. There, it it is more complex than just returning, it because wh- who right. do you give it to? In right. some instances, yeah, right? you like,
2: return. I mean, here's the thing: like you return stuff. Like so, let's say like stuff from Egypt, you return to Egypt, okay. That makes sense to some degree. Also, we know that every decade or so, there's a violent revolution in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They're far less likely to be damaged and permanently lost in England than they are in Egypt. Like let's Yeah, there
1: are a number of, of different there's complicating factors. factors. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But one of the solutions brought forth by uh, a listener was, why not, in the age that we have of digital printing, just take scans of these things. 3D print them all? 3D print them, return the originals, and we can still show the 3D printed versions. And my thought was, you just turned the ROM into a wax museum. Mm. You just turned the Royal Ontario Museum into Ripley's.
2: And and you know
1: where people don't go? People aren't going to Ripley's. No, you go there once. I've walked past it a number of times. My kids call it the freaky building because <laughs> you walk by it and there are these freaky wax figures yeah, staring yeah. at you <laughs> and you never go in because yeah. I'm not paying money for that.
2: Is it Ripley's or is it Tussauds? Tussauds Wax Museum. It doesn't matter. I thought it was Ripley's on. That's the believe it or not. It doesn't matter. It honestly yeah, doesn't. But aren't, there okay. might be more than one. I would not be surprised to find that there's more than one wax museum in Niagara Falls. Like that <laughs> would That would literally not surprise me because... A wax museum of celebrities is the most Niagara Falls thing. What, what you know, wax statues of Arnold Schwarzenegger have to do with massive amounts of water dumping from one elevation into another, I have no idea. But that's just the way she goes sometimes. Yeah, I,
1: when was the last time Niagara Falls came up twice in a conversation? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because, so, again, not all of our listeners are from Southern Ontario. Mm-hmm. And Niagara Falls is a bucket list thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. When you kind of live in the area, it loses some of that. Yeah. Um, the, the American side is not as majestic a view of the falls. Mm-hmm. The Canadian side has the better view of the water itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the American side is very natural, mm-hmm. very much a, a park. Yeah, there and is. And the a, Americans yeah. uh, the Canadian side has been turned in like the city is a theme park. It, it is, literally yeah. feels like you're walking through like a Six Flags, Disney World kind of a thing it and does, you're just yeah. in town. Mm-hmm. And and the prices at the restaurants charge as if you were in a theme park.
2: Oh yeah, I was going to say Niagara Falls, New York, you're more likely to get robbed on the street, but New York, Niagara Falls, Ontario,
1: they'll rob you in the stores. <laughs>
2: so either way you're losing your money. Um but uh, yeah, so that's Niagara okay, Falls.
1: So when when I googled uh, Niagara Falls Wax Museum, mm-hmm. there's one, two, three, four, what? five hits. What? <laughs> okay, we need to move on from this. <laughs> also, I would say wax people not as beautiful as people. No, that's also true. <laughs>
2: that's also true. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing, though. Okay, getting back to the beauty of nature. I,
1: I feel like I've completely forgotten that we are recording. I
2: have some things. I have some things that I, I do want to get to because uh, I was writing these notes at two in the morning yesterday, So, or today, actually. Mm-hmm. technically. So the beauty of nature is something that really resonates with our culture, right? If we think about it, right? Preservation, conservation is a huge, huge thing today. Now, oftentimes, it's connected to the endeavors to combat climate change, which is not something I'm going to get into. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But consider consider this, though, okay? What if, Tim, what if we found a way to mechanically purify our air and water and regulate our weather, right? So we didn't need forests and rainforests and all those to do those things. Mm-hmm. The water, the air, the weather, Perfectly how we want it to be. Do you think people would then say, okay, great. So now we can just demolish the entire Amazon guilt free. Let's just do it. Do you think that would, like, do you think everyone would just be like, yeah, let's just eradicate nature because we don't need it now because we can keep our air clean?
1: Are you suggesting that there's a chance that we might cut down all the trees and put them in a tree museum? <laughs> Charge all the people a dollar and a half to see them?
2: Don't it only seem to go? Yeah, maybe. No,
1: so. Here's the thing. I think that's
2: absurd, right? I think there, there are people who would say, okay, just because that the Amazon rainforest, we don't need it to serve a functional purpose anymore. Mm-hmm. This is obviously all hypothetical, but still, just because it doesn't serve a functional purpose anymore, doesn't mean we should destroy it. We should right. still preserve it and protect it because why?
1: Right. Why?
2: Right. Because it's beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. why is it beautiful? What makes it beautiful? What makes it have any kind of real value right? And this is something that is a genuine question right
1: yeah we we wouldn't we wouldn't want an artificially reproduced version of the real thing mm. right um you look at you look at things like a a jetsons kind of world yeah. where everything's clean and polished and fake mm-hmm. nobody wants that yeah right sure. um we, we don't want for the concrete jungle. We're constantly looking for ways to bring nature back into things. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you're right. It's not just simply about the function of ecosystem that nature plays with our environment. It is about its aesthetic too, right? Mm-hmm. So we happen to be members of the uh, Royal Botanical Gardens. Oh, nice. I don't know if you've ever been to the RBG. Yep. I have. Um, but the purpose of the RBG... Is to un- is to just sort of walk through the beauty of the nature, mm, right, mm-hmm. and and especially in the winter when you go into the greenhouses and be like, oh, humidity right. and green, the color green, green, <laughs> uh, and, and 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 what they are preserving mm-hmm. is about form and not function, right, right. right. That's what they're bringing mm-hmm. to us mm-hmm. is form, right, the beauty of. The flowers mm-hmm. and and the the other various plants that they have there, and not just simply practical plants, mm. right? That mm-hmm. isn't that isn't the notion at all, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, even think of, we think about like animal species going extinct, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, why why should we prevent that, right? Aren't we supposed to be? Isn't it just survival the fittest? Like this is a, what I'm trying to get at here is that like that what people claim as their worldview isn't congruent with their actual behavior and feelings. Mm-hmm. Right? So, think of tigers. What what utilitarian role other than maybe thinning the deer in in India do tigers play? Right? It's not a major one. And in fact, they're often a threat to the villages located near their habitats. So, tigers, while like tigers are an endangered species, critically endangered species, why would we want to preserve that species? Why would an atheist, a naturalist, feel compelled to protect them? Like, I just, like, on, like, I, I, like other than, like, why?
1: Right? Yeah. But and, for- and it's more than just, an, they're aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. But there's something about their motion mm. that's beautiful, there's something about their lure mm-hmm. and their existence that is beautiful right Mm -hmm. this is this is not just surface level kind of things (laughs) there's there's a beauty and a desirability that runs very deep like soul level Mm -hmm. deep in these questions so Mm -hmm. i I just want to say it's not like because we want to look at them right right that's not what we mean when we say because yeah it's beautiful that they exist it's not just like Mm -hmm. i might see one and that would be cool yeah it's it's so much deeper than that because
2: you and i are probably never going to see a tiger in the wild but I, I don't want tigers to go extinct. But the mm-hmm. reason I don't want them to go extinct, and I think the reason for for the Christian... Can is I that, can
1: I make a confession? Sure. I spent a little time in Siberia.
2: Did you see a tiger? No, no way.
1: No, but I looked. Uh-huh. I looked. I, I would looked, too. I looked as if I might. <laughs> as if they're like squirrels running through yeah. the trees. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's like millions no, of square miles and there's maybe like a hundred tigers and no, you're like, I'm going right. to see one. It, <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't like sit there with my camera out the window. Like but there was a part of me that's just sort of like, you know, doing the nonchalant sort of cool, like, no, nah, I just I'm just looking out the window. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if it would be so awesome.
2: But I think for Christians, like the reason why we would want to preserve tigers, for example, is that you know, while human beings are the, the, the creatures that primarily reflect God's glory, at least to the greatest degree. Everything else that God has made does the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? So to extinguish a species is to extinguish a particular form of revelation of God's glory, his creativity, his power, and his own beauty. And that is why I don't want tigers to go extinct, because tigers in some way are a reflection of how amazing God is.
1: Yeah, and this is a good point. I I brought this up in a a sermon a couple months ago, now um, I, th- I think the the main thrust of this episode is going to be: Hey, naturalist, wake up and recognize that the beauty of a created thing, a real, genuine created thing, is something that we appreciate that we desire. And it not only draws us to the thing itself, but also to the creator. I, mm. That's that's a good portion of what we would say in this. But I, I think it goes also to the Christian it's themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my theory is that this isn't based on theology, but reactional politics, yeah. which is always a stupid place to tread into. But Let's there's nobody. Go. There's nobody here but us. Let's go. Right. It's who's going to hear this? <laughs> Neither one of our listeners like, are going to share this with anybody. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've made a two listeners joke. <laughs> uh, so, so at some point, politicians leaning left started making environmental claims and wanting to do environmental preservation kind of things. Conservative groups cannot agree with anything that's said lest they agree with the whole. That's just kind of how we do politics in the West.
2: It's the way it is, yeah.
1: And so because it was a left begun thing, conservatives had to come against, right? And so to be environmental in your thinking... Is to approve everything else that they may have going on right. on the left side of the aisle, right. which is really right. petty. It's like if you want you want to
2: save the rainforest, you must be pro-abortion. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's but but it's but it's marketed as a wholesale take it, it or leave it. It is. It's package deal. Right? It's
1: petty and it's small. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest with you, after uh, after I I talked about this in a message, I had uh, a man come to me. Um, he's a listener. I won't use his name here, but. Um, come up to me after the service and say that his niece, I think he said it was, uh, is a believer who is also an environmental scientist who regularly receives threats from Christians being like, how dare you talk about conservation, hmm. right? And, and the, the, But here's the thing. God created man in his own image and gave him dominion which means we should exercise dominion that God has granted to us Mm -hmm. the same way God grants or exercises dominion, Mm -hmm. right? This tiered-down distribution of dominion is very common inside of Scripture. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and so I tell you, go, Mm -hmm. right? Tiered-down. God creates and is sovereign over creation, but assigns that dominion Mm -hmm. to humankind. God does not take advantage of his people or any portion of creation just to be disposable at his own pleasure. He cares for it. Mm -hmm. He nurtures it. His dominion is to oversee it for its benefit. Mm -hmm. How many times do we say, for God's glory and our benefit... That's the way he practices dominion, and that's what we want when we pray on earth as it is in heaven. So why would we as a people not look to the beauty of God's created order and guard that, not just because of the beauty of the created order, but also the creator, right? Mm. (laughs) Now, this is where people are going to say, oh my goodness, Tim has completely fallen off the wagon, and he supports all other lines of things based off this <laughs> do i believe that our planet is going to burn up in a fireball and god's entire sovereign will is going to be lost with it because of greenhouse emissions no right no do i believe that we should do what we can in order to clean up the air and the water and the forests yeah 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 i think we should yeah I think we should take care of the world that God has given to us Mm -hmm. uh, because he is holy and good and gracious. He has Mm -hmm. given us a gift and we should care for it and Mm -hmm. exercise dominion as an act of worship, Mm -hmm. right? And so then it it doesn't become about human preservation or fear mongering, it's an an act of worship to -hmm. the creator. And Mm -hmm. I think our recognition of the beauty of creation demands that of us. And I think that this is something that the world practices in, in a bit of a a similar way when they, like as you were saying, want to preserve, you know, the uh, flora and fauna that would come inside of a, a forest or, or the animals uh, that would be present there. They have a different interpretation of why, mm-hmm. right? Um, for many, it would be the need to preserve for the sake of the... The other thing, the need to uh-huh. be that caretaker, which is an honorable thing. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes it would be for self-preservation. Sure. If we don't, we're going to be lost. Right. I would argue that's uh, an argument from theological ignorance, right? which doesn't make them bad people. Uh-huh. It just makes them people who have not yet come to a realization mm. of the gospel truth. Right? Right. Um, so, so instead of, instead of taking, I, instead of taking these people who want to care for the creation that God brought into being Mm -hmm. in order to uh, reveal his own glory, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: instead of demonizing those people for that, why not join them Mm -hmm. and then say, you know what I find beautiful about this creation? It's connection to the creator. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and use that as a a tool of evangel of evangelism. It is a general revelation mm-hmm. and it is a general charge mm-hmm. to hold dominion over it and to do that so for Christians not to participate in that is abdication, mm-hmm. I would argue mm-hmm. um but those are that's that's my soapbox. My I political think, soapbox. I think
2: that's good. Yeah. I think sometimes things stray into, you know, valuing beavers more than people. It or, can. It can. But just because it can be that sometimes. See, here's the thing. We have to be we have to stop rejecting things outright because sometimes certain people within a movement take it too far. What? Right? Right. So what you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I mean Is that an I,
1: argument for nuance? Because I don't have any space for nuance.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think that's, that's something that we need to, we need to keep in our minds, right? And I think, I think the reality is that those could be real opportunities to be, to be a witness, mm-hmm. to say, you know, as you're, you know, as you're working to preserve or conserve, conserve, you know, um, you know God's creation in, in some, Shape or fashion, and not everyone's going to be called to that, but maybe some people are, and that's awesome. Um, to to, to be to be kind of active, more active in that, not just for it, but but really participating in it. That's a great opportunity, you know, to to be a witness and say, you know what, like I think this place that we're we're conserving, you know, has beauty whether or not we even witness it, mm-hmm. right? That untouched wilderness, um, has an inherent beauty and value to it beyond just. You know, it makes me feel good, or these trees purify the air. Right. And I think, and I think most non believers who are involved in preservation and conservation, if you really dig down, there's a spiritual component there. And there's mm-hmm. a beauty in creation that is resonating with them to some degree. And maybe they haven't made the connection to connect that with a creator. And maybe part of what's keeping them from that is because over the overwhelming majority of believers are so opposed to efforts of conservation, you know, because it's a left, right, you know, take it all all as you can thing. But yeah,
1: to- yeah. The notion that we can't share a common ground on anything I think it's a dangerous notion because we share a common ground in humanity. Yeah. Right? And and right now, I, I feel like there's a tendency for some to want to grab hold of Romans 1 mm. and say, see, uh, the, the glory of God was made evident to them mm. through creation, but they've rejected it. Mm-hmm. Not yet for some of them. Mm-hmm. For some of them... The glory of God is being made evident to them mm-hmm. through creation. Mm-hmm. So why not join with the work of God mm. in bringing about His glory through His creation mm-hmm. and helping open people's eyes towards that? Yeah. Right. We don't always and we don't always need to be in a fight. Yeah right and and we've said that from the very beginning the purpose of spending a year looking at apologetics is not to arm you to fight with your neighbor or someone in your family who feels like they have a better argument and you just want a silver bullet to one up them right right <laughs> the primary portion of apologetics is to create in our own hearts a surety in our faith answers for our doubts, Mm. and to expand our own worship and understanding of God. Right. Where those same measures that build our faith also contribute to the faith of others, praise be to God and let's use it in those ways. Mm. Right? So the common ground that we share with people, with all humanity, as caretakers, those who hold dominion over creation, this thing that God has created to express his own glory, mm-hmm. let's share that space right. with them and participate with God as he reveals his glory to them through that creation mm-hmm. by bringing them the special revelation that comes alongside the general revelation. Yeah.
2: No, I think that's great. I think that's, yeah, that's that's a good idea, right? And because scripture is clear. Scripture is clear that, that the natural order of things is revealing who God is, not just in Romans 1, but through the Psalms, right? Psalm 19, It's rising is from the end of the heavens and the circuit to the end of them. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. There is beauty and revelation in the created order. And that is a thing that can, that can really resonate with people. Um, (laughs) I have a quote here, Martin Luther for in the true nature of things. If we right rightly consider every green tree is far more glorious than if it were made of gold and silver. And uh, that made me smile Mm -hmm. when he said that, right? There is just something astonishingly beautiful about what God has made. And I think while there are a lot of people in our culture who have rejected the notion of a creator, they are being wooed by his creation. And I think are just waiting, just waiting to be told why it is that they find it so compelling.
1: Yeah, and and I, I want to close up by just saying um, uh, the ultimate creation is the universe that we live in. The ultimate creator being God himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he has given his creation capacity to create Mm -hmm. as an act of worship as well. We talked about it a few weeks ago, uh, that encouragement to tell people find ways to create beauty. Whether it be, you know, cooking not just as a utility, but doing it really well.
0: Mm.
1: Not that you have to become famous, but even if it's just that you enjoy it, mm-hmm. right? Music, visual arts, whatever it is, these are these are opportunities to participate in beauty, in creation, um, with the capacities and the desires that God has given us to see these things take place, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, sing Mm -hmm. and dance, Mm -hmm. and learn to draw and paint and whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, Care for your garden, like gardening. Yeah, gardening's huge, right? right. Like all of these things that we do uh, to to participate with and to produce beauty um, can be done as act of worship in in echoing what it is our Creator has already done.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Anything else you want to throw in? No, I'm good. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Candidates, produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Bye.